It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Monday, January 8th. I'm Erin Fulton with Raven News. Two Sitka organizations received emailed bomb threats last week amid a wave of similar incidents across the state and country. According to a press release from the Sitka Police Department, a local faith-based organization received an email on Wednesday stating that there were explosives inside the church that were set to detonate. Police said the same email was sent to other faith-based organizations in the state. On Thursday, police said the Sheldon Jackson Museum had also received emailed bomb threats. Again, police said the email was sent to multiple museums across the state. In both cases, officers searched the grounds and found no evidence of an imminent threat. Police said they will be informing the FBI of the threats. The Alaska State Capitol and a Juno church also received emailed bomb threats last week. On Wednesday, NPR reported a wave of bomb threats at state capitals across the country. The FBI said in a written statement to NPR that, quote, While we have no information to indicate a specific and credible threat, we will continue to work with our local, state, and federal law enforcement partners. Last year, Representative Rebecca Hemshute introduced one of the first bills to be voted on by the full Alaska House of Representatives, a remarkable feat for a freshman legislator. This year, she has a more conventional agenda that will probably take more time, but she's no less eager to start the slow business of lawmaking. KCAW's Robert Woolsey reports. In 2023, a lawsuit by a Washington state conservation group threatened to shut down the commercial fishing season for king salmon in southeast Alaska. Rebecca Hemshute's House District 2 includes 21 communities, most of them, especially Sitka and Petersburg, heavily invested in trolling, the one-fish-at-a-time, hook-and-line method of harvesting kings for the premium seafood market. Hemshute found herself guiding a resolution in support of Alaska's salmon trollers to a remarkably fast vote in the full house and the first vote in the Alaska Senate. She is quick to admit that it usually doesn't go this way for first-time legislators. My goal last year had been to introduce nothing. I wanted to go and just, you know, learn the ropes and learn how it all works and watch the process and find ideas from the constituents or from the process itself over in Juneau. And instead, the wild fish thing came up and I just felt like, okay, we're jumping into this fire with both feet. The resolution was signed by the governor, and Southeast trollers, at least in the near term, prevailed in the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals and were allowed to fish for kings as usual beginning on July 1st. This year, Hemshute is again introducing legislation that's likely to gain broad support in the Capitol, but it will move at the more stately pace of most bills if it moves at all. House Bill 201 would make the residency requirement for hunting and fishing licenses the same as the residency requirement for the permanent fund dividend. The genesis of the bill comes from the southern half of Hemshute's sprawling legislative district, where some are bending rules to take advantage of Alaska's generous harvest limits for residents. On Prince of Wales, everybody knows each other across the entire island. And so they see people coming in who are claiming residency for hunting and fishing and filling freezers and then leaving or taking a lot of fish boxes with them and not actually investing in the community. Sometimes I've heard stories, I haven't seen this, but they they even bring most of their groceries with them so that they're really not committing to the community and not really um, providing any sort of support for the community where they're using 
the boat ramps and the roads and taking advantage of all the infrastructure that's there without really contributing in a meaningful way. House Bill 201 has received the support of all three Fish and Game Advisory Committees on Prince of Wales Island. The Petersburg Assembly passed a unanimous resolution in support of the bill, and Hemshoot is going to try to put it before the Sitka Assembly for consideration before the legislature opens on January 16th. Success is never guaranteed. Hemshoot is an independent but is a member of the minority House coalition, and politics are, well, politics, and everything in the Capitol is subject to negotiation. Hemshoot is among many in the legislature who believe the state has underfunded education and supports an increase in per-pupil funding to catch up with inflation. Raising the so-called base student allocation, or BSA, is not a goal shared by the governor who has proposed funding salary incentives for teachers, depending on how rural or remote the school. I agree with the governor. He sees that we need to pay teachers more. But I think the difference between how the governor sees it and how I see it is I believe in local control. And I think if we increase the BSA, then the various districts can increase the teacher pay as they need to within their district. Local control is important, Hemshute says, because not everyone critical to student success is a teacher. In a lot of the communities in my district, the people who are there every single day, no matter how much the teachers turn over, are the bus drivers, they're the cooks, they're the people working in classrooms with kids who may not hold teaching certificates, and to not recognize the value and the necessity of those staff members as well is very misguided. Hemshute says the BSA should be increased by at least $1,300, but she is willing to work with the governor to find a number that he will actually support. Hemshute is practical about all this. The BSA might not go up this year. Her bill on hunting and fishing residency requirements might not get a vote by the end of the session, and so die. In that case, Hemshute would have to start over again in January 2025 after winning a second term in the general election this November. I've filed, she says. I'm hoping to be back at it next year. Then she corrects herself. I'm planning to be back. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Robert Woolsey. Starting last week, brewery and distillery tap rooms can stay open an extra hour in the evenings thanks to regulation changes the Alaska legislature passed in 2022. One Juno Brewery is embracing the changes immediately. KTOO's Yvonne Crumry stopped by and has this story. Amanda Ninehouse pours a Devil's Club IPA. Fresh lines from a tap in the large wood panel tap room. Beer drinkers and sandwich eaters are taking up a few tables. It seems like a typical evening at Devil's Club Brewing Company, except for one thing. It's 8.07 p.m. Until this week, brewery and distillery tap rooms weren't allowed to serve alcohol after 8 p.m., according to state law. Legislation passed in 2022 allows tap rooms to serve drinks until 9, starting January 1st. I think that we will have people that are wanting to be here that extra hour. I mean, I appreciate that we're allowed to be open later. Mitchell Cabrigas has been coming to Devil's Club since it opened in 2018. At the very beginning, since all the breweries started, like, doing openings, you know, way back when, and the distillery, and yeah, it's, this is a cool, different, different vibe. He's here with Brittany Wisner. She's headed out of town for graduate school, and she realized she'd have time to get Devil's Club one more time before flying out tonight. And we're like, oh, 
scheduled open till 9, so we, can, we could go to yeah. both now. Before the changes, staff also couldn't let patrons play games or host live music events. They'd have to tell tables to put decks of cards away. Now people can bring cards and games to play, and Cabrigas and Weisner say they're excited to see people embracing the new rules already. Playing a, a board game? I was like, ah, board games are out. Whoa, uh-oh. <laughs> so far, Devil's Club is the only business in Juno that's making schedule changes to their everyday operations. Evan Wood is one of the founders, and he says he's been waiting for the law to take effect since it was passed in 2022. We were ready to pull the trigger and stay open an extra hour and invite everybody in for some more time. Devil's Club is serving until 9, Tuesdays through Saturdays. Wood says they're going to see how the extra hour plays out. Tonight is pizza night, so I imagine on Wednesdays we might get some more people uh, after 8 p.m. as well. Um, and for the rest of the week, we're going to play it by ear. We're going to try uh, as often as we can to stay open until 9 to see if people are out and interested. And these types of businesses can host four events in a year, starting now. Wood says he has big visions for what Devil's Club's events will be. There are only a few events a year. We're being very uh, careful to pick things that we think would be the most fun and the most innovative things that haven't happened in Juno before. Customers still can't taste more than 36 ounces of beer at breweries or more than two drinks at distilleries. And tap rooms can't have TVs or allow people to sit at the bar. These rules are part of a swath of limitations placed on breweries and distilleries by the state legislature. Bar owners and brewery owners debated over limitations for years in a back and forth that's known as the bar wars. Joan Wilson, with the Alaska Alcohol and Marijuana Control Office, says it's a sign of compromise that these changes finally passed. The bill would not move forward that last year unless the recovery community, um, the bar community, and the brewery community agreed on the changes. And often they had to agree on changes against their own interest for that bill to move forward. So that, to me, is an incredible accomplishment. Barnaby Brewing plans to stay open until 9 p.m. for big events like First Fridays. Forbidden Peak, Amalga Distillery, and Alaska Brewing Company aren't making changes to their hours just yet. In Juneau, I'm Yvonne Cremery. Sitka's local brewery is already taking advantage of the changes to Alaska's brewery law that went into effect January 1st. Starting last week, Harbor Mountain Brewing Company will be open an hour later until 9 p.m. Head brewer and co-owner Zach Anderson says that the new law also means that consumers can order beer by mail and the brewery can host up to eight events each year. Anderson hopes to host live music, artist pop-ups, and game events, especially during the fall and winter months. That's my goal right now is mainly the live music, comedy shows, and then being a space, whether it's a cornhole tournament or whatever, but some, some games for the community. Outside of the new law, the brewery is planning to expand its drink offerings in 2024. Anderson says he's been brewing test batches of cider and mead, as well as small batch fruit wine, which will be available in the taproom this spring. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News.